Welcome back to another edition of Roomsticks and Butterbeer. I am Dan Rhino. I'm Jessica Rhino. And we are still rolling along on the never-ending Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. I think we are 49% through, according to my Goodreads. I'm not sure that that's totally accurate, though, because of different editions and page counts and whatever, but we'll just call it halfway. For the love of Merlin. (laughs) (laughs) We're never going to make it. We'll make it. Mm -mm. Would you say, whoa, we're halfway there. Whoa. Read another page. 49%. (laughs) Welcome back once again. It's Jess and I, not just talking about what's not really happening in the wizarding world of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. I think the kids would argue a lot happened. There was a lot of teenage drama. I told you about my friend Jane, who said that, oh my god, Goblet of Fire was my favorite book. <laughs> now you've ruined it. And now I've ruined it for her. Yeah, it's uh Well, let's talk about it. Let's talk about what happened last time. We'll talk about what happened in this time and then we can decide if I'm just being a jerk or or whatever. Okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something else there. Um, I was debating it, but nope, we'll save it for later. All right, so last time chapter 22, the unexpected task. The unexpected task was not the second task of the Triwizard Tournament. It was just Harry and Ron spending the whole chapter working up the confidence to ask a girl to the Yule Ball, which is kind of like an inter-school prom taking place over Christmas. Harry needs to find a date, not just so he doesn't have to go alone, but because he has to open the ball with a dance with the other school champions. Harry really wants to ask Cho Chang, but he waited too long and she's going with Cedric Diggory. Cedric! So Hufflepuffs represent... We are not a threat. Please be our friend. Uh, that, of course, is one of our new drops we've got here on the show. That is from uh, Puffs, the off-Broadway uh, presentation that you saw in New York, and then you also saw a local production here in the St. Louis area. Yes. And, and it's amazing. And you- if you haven't seen it, get on Amazon, and you can download it for like four bucks or something. Yeah, something like that. It's not much. Yeah, it's great. And it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. It's the it's all seven years of of <laughs> Harry's journey experienced through the eyes of the Hufflepuffs. Yes. But you can't call them Hufflepuffs because of uh, copyright. Copyright. Laws so we've and got such. the puffs. We've got the snakes. <laughs> we've got the Braves, and we've got the smarts. The, was it the smarts? I think it's the smarts. Oh my goodness! It's so good. <laughs> like, oh my goodness, that's so dumb. But then you're like, it's so good. <laughs> it's like the new Suicide Squad movie. I go, guys, it's like the dumbest thing I've ever seen. It's really good. <laughs> uh, the boys are being total pigs, only focusing on getting good-looking girls to take to the ball. Yeah, no uggos. What'd you say? No uggos. No uggos? <laughs> yeah. I didn't understand, understand what you said there for a second, and now I'm... <laughs> I'm totally taken aback. <laughs> no uggos for Ron and Hermione, uh, and they end up. That's basically what you know, they for said. them. They end. They do end up scoring a couple of the prettiest girls at school. Yeah, I'm confused by that. <laughs> I mean, I, I always thought they were portrayed as very pretty in like the movies and stuff, but 
we've already established that it's the last minute and uh, everybody pretty much is already paired off. And then in this chapter, spoilers, because we haven't gotten to this chapter yet, it says that they scored the prettiest girls in school. Uh-huh. They're twins. So maybe there's maybe they're so pretty that they people didn't ask them because they felt like they were like unattainable. I mean, I guess that's possible. <laughs> it's possible. I'm just trying to, no, to figure out the fictional works of J.K. Rowling. Sorry, here. I was distracted because there was a line of cars trying to get by because that lady across the street left her car door open. She does leave her car door open quite a bit. The car, the, the driver's door is hanging out into the street, which is, a cr- my car is parked across from it, so that doesn't leave much room. Well, we live in a very affluent neighborhood. Very, a lot of rich people around here. Oh, um, yeah. Us, uh, her us butler both, probably forgot to close it. Us both working in public education. That leads you to believe you live in a very uh, rich neighborhood where uh, people uh, just feel comfortable leaving their doors open. Cause Trunks open, too. There's no crime in this area. Yeah. But I digress. Uh, Ron has the revelation in last chapter that Hermione is, in fact, a girl. What? <laughs> just did a spit take of her cherry seven up, but she didn't really want to spit I because there's really a lot of electronics <laughs> around her. She did a fake spit, uh, but she cannot go with Harry or Ron, Jessica, because Hermione already has a date. She's taken. We don't know who yet. It's a secret. Harry finally decides to ask the next girl he sees, which is our Parvati Patil. Our Patil. Patel? Parvati Patel. Patel. Yeah, I'll have an intern look that one up. Kelly. Our Parvati will ask her sister, Padma, who is a Ravenclaw, if she'll go with Ron. And that's where we left chapter 22. Chapter 23, Jessica, the Yule Ball. And a lot of eating. A lot of, yeah. A lot uh, of eating. Yeah, there, there was a... Well, it's Christmas time. Yeah, okay. And you know, uh, Christmas time and Thanksgiving, you know, holidays are usually big for... For eating yeah, and you, you know usually, the birth the birth like of christ and all that one stuff. feast a day well unless you've got to go to multiple family houses then i guess you're having multiple feasts you and i usually have multiple feasts on the holidays yeah because we got to make our appearance at, at the different venues yes yes well we're extremely high in demand that's true and we we are rich and affluent yeah hmm okay so, a normal amount of eating, then. Is There is a... It is very reflective of the holiday season. A lot of people put on a uh, little, little weight around the, uh, the old tummy line around Yeah, Floor's, not, Floor's not happy. Yeah, she was... She said, this food is... It's just, it's just so heavy. It's so heavy. <laughs> well, it said that there was lots of, like, hearty stews and, and hearty puddings. Now, I can see the pudding. I think with a, a stew would probably be a nice, uh, uh, not not too heavy. It's not like real carb loaded or anything like no, that. No, you put like potatoes in it. Yeah, but the, I mean, there's not a lot of potato. It's not as much as like you eating like, get, like mashed that potatoes really or something like that. Really thick broth and big chunks of meat. I don't know. Yeah, thick broth. That's just like that's. Just... I'm thinking of like the dendy bars too. <laughs> <laughs> the high end stuff. <laughs> That's what we Denty had growing up beef was Denty stew. More okay, beef listen, stew. listen, My we know got you. The big listen, we know you come from money, Jessica. <laughs> Your family's old money, so we know you had the big can of Denty Moore beef stew. 
And our buttered bread. <laughs> Listen, I thought buttered bread, up until I was about 20 years old, I thought that was just a staple at the dinner table. Yes, it is. Just off-brand wheat bread, because I didn't know what white bread was until I was about 10 years old, and I went to my cousin's house, and he made me a fried, his mom made me, my aunt made me a fried bologna on white bread. I was like, on bunny bread? On, it was on Wonder Bread. Oh, Wonder White bread. bread. And I was like, what is this? This isn't bread. I took a bite of it. Oh my gosh, this is just like sugar. Is it heaven? <laughs> it was, it was heaven. Uh, Bunny bread. Pride For those of you who don't know, white bread. <laughs> in the St. Louis area, bunny bread is a local uh, uh, bread uh, <laughs> establishment uh, company here in St. Louis, and they make delicious breads. Yes, but uh, no, not I, like high quality bread or not like artisan bread or anything. No, just good no, bread. It's good bread. It's about you know regular two fifty a loaf, <laughs> and it's delicious. <laughs> it's did you have potato good. bread? No, I've never. I know what you're talking about. But I never yeah, we we were on a potato bread kick for a while at my house. But we would just get like the off-brand country crock spread, not like real butter. Yeah, just like the off the off-brand like I can't believe it's not butter kind of thing, but whatever like the local grocery store brand is, and that would be the the carbs with the <laughs> with the dinner. You just slather some. Uh, not it's not even butter. It's spread. It's called spread. spread. Yeah. yeah. And on your bread. On your bread. And then you dip it in the denty more stew. And you don't toast it or anything. No, no. <laughs> you don't put any garlic powder. Welcome to the on Midwest, it or folks. Like that. Uh, I just thought that that's what, and I thought pork steaks were. The, the I thought that's what steaks were when people said I'm going to go to the restaurant and get a steak, like a thick, juicy steak. I thought they were t until I was about 16 years old. Thought they were talking about pork steaks. I just found out my family just didn't have a lot of money growing up. And so I didn't know what a beefsteak was. First time I had a beefsteak, it wasn't even a good one, but it knocked my socks off. <laughs> it was tremendous. So all these people, and my mom to this day will still tell me, well, I like pork steaks better. That's not, that's just not true. No. That's just you lying to your kids. But, you know, whatever. Well, it, pork steaks are usually like soaked in barbecue sauce, so maybe mm -hmm. she likes the barbecue sauce more than the meat actual quality of the meat. Yeah, so for know. those of you listening around the country and around the world, if you don't know what a pork steak is, look it up. It's got Come a big, to St. Louis. It's got a big connection to St. Louis, too. I mean, it's available in other places. Schnucks invented it, but according they, to the commercial. Uh, the, our local grocery store here in St. Louis claims they invented the pork steak, we and that's been up. a little bit debunked. It but, was not true. But apparently it was... Uh, you know, it, it, became to, it came to prominence here in, in the St. Louis area. Along with toasted ravioli and gooey butter cake and all that good stuff we got here. Jennifer's booking her flight now. So, uh, chapter 23, the Yule Ball. Like I said, a lot of eating. Uh, Hermione is still not telling Harry and Ron who she's going with. And just Hermione, in uh, preparation of the ball, and an unfortunate incident that happened a few chapters ago, Hermione had a bit of dental work done recently. Yeah, I knew this happened. I... But we just kind of like blazed past it. And I was like, did I miss something? It was a long time before we got to this moment. So explain what happened. Okay, so there was an altercation mm -hmm. outside of the potions classroom, of course, so that Snape could be mad. And uh, Hermione was hit with a jinx that made her teeth grow. And she had like walrus teeth or something. And so she had to go to the medical ward. 
and get them fixed. And this was weeks ago, months mm-hmm. ago? I don't know because it's taken it's a such a long time to get through the book. But um, it's been a while. And apparently the boys just noticed that uh, her formerly large front teeth are now like small and cute. And they were like, what happened to you? These are not very observant boys. I mean, I know boys are boys, but... Boys are the worst. Let's just say that first, first, first and foremost. But now that they're noticing, they're like, oh my god, you look so different. Mm. And I'm like, but you didn't notice before. Yeah. Did she, like, keep her mouth closed? I think and, like, they kind of had... And... It, the impression that I get, as far as... Especially with Ron, that we, we really see in this chapter that he kind of starts to see Hermione in a different way. Is that he almost had like, like, you know, like people talk about like seeing things with rose-colored glasses. He almost saw Hermione with like friend-colored glasses, mm-hmm. and then in in the last chapter or so, it's almost like those glasses fell off his head, and he looks at Hermione. He's like, "Oh my goodness!" Like in the fact that he's also getting older, and he's also getting more interested in in girls, and the fact that. This girl who's spent, you know, many years right next to me is, and battled dark forces next to me over the last several years of our uh, journey through Hogwarts is actually a pretty girl. Like, I, it's almost like he had, like, blinders on to, to that fact up to that point. If that mm-hmm. makes sense, I'm probably just rambling, but. No, but it also, I mean, she's evolving and more so than just like you know normal puberty girls maturing and whatever Mm -hmm. you know like the prime example is these teeth you know she got her teeth fixed and then it also mentions pretty early on in this chapter that she changes her hair Mm -hmm. she's kind of known for having these buck teeth and this big frizzy hair which isn't the the hair is in in the movies is very frizzy and you know, especially the first couple of films, but we never really, and we, I think we've talked this, about this in the past. We never really get the, to see the, the, the buck teeth version of Hermione in the, yeah. in the films. Um, that, that part, I guess is, you know, it's, it's a visual medium and they want to make it, they want to make their stars a little bit more appealing from the start, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I guess that that's why they never really, you know, gave her false teeth or anything like that yeah. first couple of movies but uh there was there was a mention that hermione didn't think that her parents would be happy about it and the the way it kind of comes about is hermione's in the medical ward and madame pomfrey is fixing her teeth and just okay let me know when they're back to you know just Shrinking them and shrinking them and shrinking them till they get back to normal. Say when. And she just has them go, has Madame Pomfrey just go a little tiny bit further than they normally were before. And, and you know, kind of gets the teeth that I guess she always wanted. But Hermione says that her parents probably wouldn't, you know, that she has brought this up before to her parents about wanting to fix her teeth. But her parents are dentists. And... She kind of passes that off as, oh, they're dentists and they would want to do fix her teeth the conventional dentist way. Mm-hmm. 
But do you think that her parents are would be upset and didn't let her do it in the past because they're dentists? Or do you think there's some kind of like muggle uncertainty or untrusting of wizarding practices, especially on yourself? Um, well, they don't know a whole lot about it. I'm sure they trust her abilities to some extent, but she is still a child with doing like plastic surgery, essentially right. with magic. But I also think mostly it's the fact that they're dentists. And if teeth can just be fixed with magic, then there's no point in their profession and their mm -hmm. careers that they've chosen. You know, it's... You think maybe they kind of feel like we have this daughter that can do these amazing things and it kind of makes them feel a little less than at times and that maybe like this is something that we know about and that we can do and... Yeah, this is our thing. Let us do our thing. Let us do something. Yes. This is like the one thing we can do. I think that... It's gotta not be hard. So much it's gotta be hard to be a muggle yeah. family, you know, to wrap your mind around all this. But I think from the get-go, they knew they had, like, a gifted daughter, and mm. they knew, you know, she was gonna do well in everything that she did kind yeah, of thing. They just thought she'd get like a college scholarship yeah. or something. Like robotics or... Win some awards. <laughs> Go to MIT maybe. Get some trophies or a little ribbon or something. <laughs> Win the science fair. Yeah. So I think they were prepared mentally for that. For her to have these successes and skills, but not quite making them obsolete in the profession they've spent a long time you know, getting their schooling and everything. Uh, Pig Widgeon returns to Hogwarts with a reply from Sirius, basically just telling Harry to stay vigilant. Keep your eyes open. Let me know what's going Let on. Let me know who's trying to kill you this week. Uh, Hermione is still getting on Harry about tackling the magic screaming egg from Task 1, but Harry and Ron think that they have plenty of time. I love how... So it's, it's Christmas break, and nobody's gone home because of the Yule Ball and everything. And his excuse is, I can't, I can't work on the egg. It's too loud in here. And they're like, let's go play chess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Isn't that usually? He says, I can't concentrate because it's too loud. And then Hermione even kind of goes, yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, it's too loud for you to concentrate, but you're going to play chess. Because, you know, that's typically a concentrating game. Yeah. Well, I think Hermione even kind of decides to give him a little break because it's Christmas. And mm -hmm. She's got other things she's thinking about, too. She's got a big uh, uh, big date reveal tonight. Yep. And we're going to find out in just a little bit. Uh, it's Christmas morning, Jessica. And Harry is awoken by Dobby watching him sleep. <laughs> Staring at him like nose to nose. Now, granted, nose to nose for Dobby is, you know. Yeah, from like across the room. Yeah, it's not that close. But still creepy. I forget about the drapes around the bed, mm -hmm. and I guess that would be handy if you're in the dorm with, like... Uh, it's a four-poster, Jess. Yes, uh, the bed is a four-poster. Yes, it is. But if you're in a dorm room with, like, five or six other people, I guess that would be handy. I kind of feel like it'd be a little claustrophobic, but... Mm -hmm. Like, sauna tent. Yeah, some people like the <laughs> sauna tent. Uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a little inside joke there. I'll fill Sally. you in here in a second. Uh, some people like to, like, like dogs like to have, like, the, the feeling of safety of, you know, an enclosure. Mm -hmm. And some people don't like that. Uh, my brother, Boo, who's super claustrophobic. 
Yeah, whenever we get in an elevator, we all crush him into the corner. <laughs> He's like, stop, so stop. It's just like instant. We all get in like normal people and stand and a normal distance. But as soon as the door closes, it's like, ha ha, crush boo in the corner. Well, uh, he is not an outdoorsy person. No. But he loves music festivals and, and whatnot. And they went down to uh, the one in Tennessee. It's called Bonnaroo. And you can stay at a hotel and drive like 30 minutes in, or you can camp on site. Yeah, because it's like in the middle of nowhere. Right. It's like on somebody's farm. And so... One year. He, he, he just he <laughs> bought a tent. And uh, he's, he's, he, this is just... It's, so got, did he like not put it up properly? I think... I don't know. It's Was it, it's very possible. Because this is not his thing. No. This is not his and thing at all. And tents are complicated Every time we've general. asked them... And, uh, shout out to my friend Jane, by the way, who's uh, told me that she is not an outdoorsy person either. She's like at her uh, father-in-law's cabin or something this weekend. And she said, she, I, she said, I can't sleep. There's crickets. There's all kinds of other sounds. She said, I just can't sleep. I'm not an outdoors person. I just can't do it. Uh, but my brother <laughs> is in this uh, little tent. And yeah, just a little tent. He's like, it's just me. I don't need a yeah, big tent. Just, just a little, a little, little tent. place to sleep. And apparently this horrible storm comes through to the point that... Oh, a storm. Okay. We let them borrow our Easy Up, like our pop-up canopy. And apparently at one point, the canopy just shot into the air like the, the Wizard of Oz tornado <laughs> scene. <laughs> and... Uh, apparently... Did uh, it kill anyone when I it came back down? I don't think so. Um, okay. <laughs> came down it was like all bright and you know there's the munchkins were singing and yeah it was just like that okay but i, I guess boo's tent got damaged <laughs> in the storm or maybe he didn't assemble it correctly <laughs> but the tent like collapses on itself <laughs> and and of course right after it rains it's in the middle it's in the middle of summer in in tennessee yeah uh, it, anybody who's been camping, at least in the Midwest, knows you, you get up super early and get out of that tent because yes. it gets so hot once the sun comes up. And he compared it to a sauna, but when the tent like collapsed on him, on itself, <laughs> he had to sleep all through the night and wake up in the morning in what he termed a sauna coffin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so he said, I woke up in a freaking sauna coffin. <laughs> Never going camping again. So stupid. <laughs> and he hasn't been. Hasn't been camping again. Now they stay at a hotel. Oh, I thought they run an RV. Oh, uh, they did that one. They year. They did one year. Um, I don't. I don't think uh, that they were big fans of that, that either. either. <laughs> that was too close to camping. <laughs> uh, so that's the Sonic Coffin story. So yeah. Oh, for, uh, yeah, like four posts about. Okay, I, I forgot why we <laughs> even brought it up. But anyway, uh, my favorite part of this scene is not when Dobby is just watching Harry sleep. It's when uh, Seamus lazily wakes up and says, oh, someone attacking you, Harry. <laughs> it happens so often that it's not even noteworthy anymore. It doesn't even draw much of a reaction nope. from the other students at Hogwarts. Oh, is the Dark Lord back again trying to... Suck your soul out. Who's trying to stab you tonight, Harry? <laughs> you okay? He just doesn't doesn't react to it at all. I think I think it's great. Uh, Dobby has a thoughtful present for Harry: handmade socks. He used his wages to buy the wool and made them himself. 
He seems very talented, too. And Harry... Harry wears them. Mm-hmm. And Harry seems like he's... That he recognizes it as a thoughtful gift. But, you know, it's kind of, you know, underwhelmed, I guess, by the how they look or whatever. But I thought this I was just like... I think boys this, just... Young boys just don't care about giving gifts. This was just like the socks. nicest thing that... Because... Ron gives away Someone his socks. <laughs> <laughs> and so Harry has to kind of panic and say, well, I got you something too, Dobby. And he gives a pair of like old socks that Uncle Vernon had, you know, given to him. And Dobby thinks that the, the great Harry Potter giving me a gift. This is just like the greatest day of my life. Mm-hmm. And he likes the gift I gave to him. But the only problem with those socks are, Jess, is that the socks that Harry gave to Dobby, they're two of the same. Yeah. He's, likes different. <laughs> but he's he's a, not a matchy-matchy but, guy. But Dobby thinks Harry Potter made a mistake. These socks are the same. And so Ron gives, uh, <laughs> Ron gives Dobby another pair of socks, which are also both the same, but they are different from the ones that Harry gave him. So Dobby can just mix and match them. Yeah. And now, Perfect solution. And, and now we're all good. Uh, so, Ron gives really away sweet. two of his Christmas presents because mm-hmm. he already promised them the jumper. Did you say jumper? I don't remember. Oh, so he also promised him the jumper, and then he gives away his socks. Which, I mean, I get that he doesn't really want socks, and he doesn't really want another sweater <laughs> from his mom. But also, just the fact that a boy who doesn't have a whole lot gave away two of his Christmas presents. It's kind of cool. Yeah, he just, it's just, he's just tired of the sweaters and the... And the socks. You know, I don't really, how many pair of socks do you really need? I need some more socks. You do need some more socks? Um yeah. Anybody wants to send us, uh, anybody, <laughs> anybody, like, own a sock company or something like that, you want some free advertisement, <laughs> uh, email us, broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com. Uh, we'll let you uh, send your socks to Jess and we'll give you a free plug here on the air. How about there that? There you go. Get me some socks. Uh, Christmas lunch, uh, snowball fight, just enjoying the day and killing time before the ball. And Hermione heads back upstairs to get ready for the ball, but she still won't tell who she's going with. Yeah, he's just like randomly. Who are you going with? Hey! Hey! <laughs> who's who's this, taking? This pie's really good. Who are you going to the ball with? Seems very concerned all of a sudden. Hmm. Hmm. Like there's uh, something else going on in his head now that wasn't going on before. There, j- there might be something there that wasn't there before. What's there? New and a bit alarming. <laughs> uh, Ron puts on his dress robe. Uh, how would you describe it, Jess? The only thing, only where I can come up with is lacy. <laughs> Well, of course, you know, I kind of picture the one from the movie. So did I. I and I even looked up the, the pictures to kind of refresh my memory. Yeah. It seemed, it seemed like the one in the book was... The one in the in the pictures from the movie that I looked at, I mean, it's a little frilly, but it's not that bad. Yeah, but it's also a weird color in the movies, and it's just kind of dingy. I mean, it's... it's one in the stuff. book, they kind of build it up like he's just wearing like a muumuu or something like that. Confused too, so just I don't know. Dress robes just seems like a weird concept. And in the books, the guys wear dress robes, but the girls all just wear dresses. Mm. 
they don't wear dress robes, but that's what they say in the book. I don't know. I don't know what to picture for the girls. And they don't even, the thing for the guys, though, they call them dress robes, but they kind of just like look like like long-tailed uh, suits or like tuxedos <laughs> almost. So I think dress robes is kind of a little mis- misleading uh, vernacular there. Yeah, it's like a suit jit coat, but longer. And Ron uses some magic to kind of hastily make some alterations to it. Yeah, he cuts off the lacy, frilly parts, the ruffle mm-hmm. parts, but doesn't do a very good job, and now it's all tattered up and extra tattered up. Yeah, it's kind of like when a, when a three-year-old just tries to cut their own hair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they don't really know what they're doing. They're just grabbing at things. And, and so, it, you know, it, it does look very... Uh, uh, hacked. Yeah, it, it, yeah, that's a, that's a good, uh, good good description for. It. I have, of course, my COVID brain is I, my vocabulary is not as nearly as good as it used to be, or else I would uh, drop a really good adjective on you right now. Ooh, but uh, but I can't because COVID's the worst. Uh, still no sign of Hermione or her date. Uh, Parvati is really enjoying the attention of Ooh, going yeah. with Harry, isn't she's, she? Yeah, she's all into it. That she's... was something that really kind of stuck out to me, is that Harry, this is more like an obligation to him, mm-hmm. and Parvati is like, I'm going with one of the champions, and I know that I'm pretty, I know that I'm a big deal, and I'm going to use this as a uh, stage to present myself to the rest of uh, the school and the other two schools that are here as well. And you know, her sister's not pleased with her situation, but I think it it has some to do with Ron and his attitude. But it's also like, I could have gone with Harry and I didn't, like, it's almost like basically... Harry was an option? Yeah, <laughs> it's almost like... She was just in the wrong house at the wrong time because she wasn't in the Gryffindor common room because she's not Gryffindor. Therefore, that's like the only reason her sister got to be with the champion and she's stuck with the, the friend. There was a, a old Chris Rock stand-up where he was talking about Janet Jackson and she was dating uh, this music producer named Jermaine Dupree, who's not a great-looking guy. And Chris Rock's like, and I look at this and I say... I had a shot. <laughs> it's like, we all had a shot with Janet Jackson. <laughs> so maybe, uh, uh, maybe her sister's kind of feeling a little bit of that too. Like, if I didn't, if I know one of the champions was still on the table, I probably would have just, you know, I just assumed that all four of the champions would be taken, you know, right off the board very quickly. But, mm-hmm. you know, you, you know, you go, you, you go to the dance with whatever you got. That's what. That's whatever you got. <laughs> Sorry, I forget what the old, uh, the old saying is. Are you, uh, you dance with the uh, girl that brought you or something like that? I, I think it's like an old saying to talk about, like, uh, you know, you make do with what you are given in life. So I just uh, changed it up a little bit for uh, Harry Potter, the, the Patil twins. Uh, where are we at here? Uh, Harry not really seeing the enjoyment in the situation that uh, that his that Parvati is. You know, he, like I said, he just kind of wants it to get over with. He kind of just wants to do the bare minimum as far as like dancing and 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 things like in the pomp and circumstance and things like that. And it's not really an enjoyful 
evening for him, doesn't seem yeah, like. Yeah, he doesn't seem like he's well, having he's always kind of tried to avoid the, the limelight. You know, that's not really, he's. But it's supposed to be fun. Yeah. But he's not there with who he wants to be with. Mm. And he doesn't really like the attention. Uh, Fleur Delacour likes the attention. Okay. Uh, she's attending with Roger Davies, who's the Ravenclaw Quidditch captain. And uh, Victor Crumb, the other champion, arrives with his date. Who Harry doesn't even recognize. He's like, I don't know that girl. Like, who's this girl? Hermione. Oh, I do know her. And Hermione looks great, doesn't she? Yes. She has smoothed her hair out and put it up in this elegant little bun. We've already discussed that her teeth look great. And it sounds, for most of it, like she's glowing. Like literally glowing? No. Is she she's some kind of, she got like fireflies like hovering around her? No. no. But figuratively. Like, figuratively. Gotcha. Uh, the champions and their dates head to the main table, and we see the heads of all of the schools, along with Ludo Bagman, but no Mr. Crouch. He's replaced at the table by his new assistant, Weatherby. Oh, Weatherby. <laughs> A.K.A. Percy the Prefect Weasley. And Harry's night just keeps getting better and better. Because <laughs> now i got to deal with the, uh, the nonsense of Weatherby talking my ear off all night. Yep. Weatherby is one of my favorite parts of the book so far the fact that uh that mr crouch called percy weatherby in front of everybody in front of the twins and it just kind of not knocked percy down a notch and uh, i enjoyed that well percy thinks he's back up a couple of notches because now he's standing in mm -hmm. for mr crouch yeah and kind of, at kind of a big event you know he's mm -hmm. he's sent as the uh, representative from that department at the big event uh, Karkaroff did not seem too happy to see Crumb with Hermione, and I wanted to ask you about that. Did Karkaroff not like seeing Victor Crumb with Hermione because he wants Victor more focused on winning the tournament? Is it because Hermione is muggle-born? We know that some of the higher-up... Uh, Fancy schmancy people in the wizarding world, you know, kind of frown upon that. Especially a former Death Eater like Karkaroff uh, might have similar thoughts to uh, alleged. Alleged? No, he was convicted. <laughs> <laughs> this is this isn't an O.J. Simpson situation. He was convicted and went to prison for it, and only got out because he snitched on other Death Eaters. Take a shot. Does he? Is it because he's kind of worried? Uh, we see that when Crumb is kind of comparing his school to uh, Hogwarts, Karkaroff is kind of worried that maybe Victor is going to expose the uh, the location. Is it a, kind of a mix of everything? What do you think? Why does he... They make a point in the book to point out that Karkaroff kind of looks at them disapprovingly. Yeah, there's a lot of strange little points being made in, in this very this part of the scene, the dinner part. But um, I don't know. I mean, I just can't imagine him like looking into Hermione enough to know that she's Muggle-born. But it's a possibility. I think it's more of he expected Victor to go with some pretty 
bimbo kind of thing. And Hermione's one of the top students. And, and she's Harry's best, one of, one of Harry's best friends. Or maybe he even thought that Hermione and Harry had a thing. They're always together. So he might have thought that was weird. And what's she up to? And, you know, is she just trying to sabotage mm. Victor? Like more of the competition. We're going to get into a little bit of that uh, on the, uh, the other side of that. Uh, is he trying to just get information, trying to get intel, trying to spy, uh, getting a, a leg up in the next part of the competition? During dinner, I thought it was oddly focused on, and I can't remember if this was important or not, that um, Mr. Crouch is, is ill. It just seems weird. I don't know if it's just like an excuse for Percy to be there. Or if there's like something going on, I can't remember. And but that, that's actually like one of my one of my questions later on. I was gonna. It was, I, I think it's something to keep an eye on. It was being talked about a lot. I felt like they were pointing. Mm-hmm. Look at this right. right here. Right. Not the not the guy that's supposed to be here. Mm. He's not here. He's not well. Yeah, that was one of my things I kind of had at the end there to keep an eye on that I'm gonna uh, wrap up the chapter with. And we do have an email Ooh. today. Uh, so. I love Dumbledore talking to Karkaroff about uh, when Crumb is kind of describing what the climate is like at his school and talking about how there's mountains nearby. Karkaroff kind of cuts him off and says, well, we, we wouldn't want anybody finding out exactly where our school is and kind of turns to Dumbledore and says, well, you, you know, Dumbledore can back me up on this. He wouldn't want you know, us sharing all the secrets of, he wouldn't want to share all the secrets of Hogwarts. And Dumbledore's like, dude, I don't even know all the secrets of Hogwarts. Just this morning, I had to go to the bathroom and I ended up in this room that I'd never seen before with like all these like chamber pots or something in it. And he said, I tried to like, uh, it's like, it was like, uh, like finding the hidden room in like the old Legend of Zelda game. <laughs> like if you pushed on the right rock, you like, you like went into this, this room uh, he doesn't know how, like how to find it again. He doesn't know if it's like, do I have to do it? Yeah, do I have to look for it? Like at five thirty in the morning, does the moon have to be in a certain orientation? Does the person looking for it have to have a full bladder at the time when when they're looking for it? I loved this this interaction with Karkaroff and Dumbledore. What are you smiling about? It's laying groundwork. It's very important little story interesting uh well it's what else is important jess is that it's time to dance and the weird Ooh. sisters are here it's a big deal big deal and this is what harry has been dreading for since he found out about it but he survives because yeah. he says not so bad actually uh, parvati is a good job of, of leading of steering him <laughs> of steering him and it, it's probably just kind of swaying and swaying in a circle. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's not. He, he probably just built it up kind of in his head how bad it was going to be. Well, anytime you have to, like, be in front of everybody doing something you've never done before. Yeah. It's going to rattle your nerves. You're going to get worked up for it, even if there's no real reason for you to get worked up for it. But the first dance, notwithstanding, the Patil sisters are not having much fun with their dates. Harry doesn't want to be the center of attention. 
so he doesn't want to do any more dancing, which, you know, Parvati wants to dance. You know, you're at a ball. You know, that's what you do. There's there's fun music. That's Well, it sounds like the first song was really the only slow song. The rest is, um, you know, from what I understand, the Weird Sisters are kind of a, a wild band. Mm-hmm. So most of the rest, I think, is all pretty upbeat, just dancing around in a big crowd dancing so mm-hmm. was it was it fred or george and, and his date that were dancing so <laughs> vigorously that people couldn't get near them because they I were don't remember. <laughs> they were kind of just like flailing with such uh reckless abandon that anybody near them was in, was in danger of injury yeah so they were that, they're having that sounds a, great they're having a great time that's your kind of dancing yeah that sounds like fun just uh throw, throw your body around like elaine bennis from <laughs> seinfeld <laughs> So Harry doesn't want to be the center of attention. He keeps watching Cho and Cedric and kind of has a little bit of longing there. And Ron seems entranced by Hermione and upset that she's with Crumb and Jess. It just, boys are the worst. They are. And these boys are just being. I mean, they've got butts. pretty. They're being butts. They're being butts. And they've got pretty girls with them and just. You know, they agreed to go to the dance with you. They literally don't have any dances in the wizard world. This is the only one. So just go. Have fun. Suck it up. Suck it up. And you know what? Tomorrow's (laughs) another day. You can ask the girl out that you want. You can be a depressed (laughs) schlob the next day. But take care of your girl at the dance. Take care of the girl that that came with you. Well... They they had fun anyway. They just left the boys and went and found other people to hang out with. It kind of it just kind of reminded me like in the inverse of how my prom night went, and I had transferred to a new school and I didn't really know anybody, so I wasn't even going to go to prom like my junior year. But then my friend Ben was had transferred to a new school too and was had doing a better job of meeting new people, and. Um, I had kind of got to know one of his friends pretty well and decided that I would go to her prom and Ben and his girlfriend and I would go with this girl who we got along very well. And uh, for some reason, she just kind of abandoned me at the prom and spent the whole time talking to other guys. And then we were going to go back to somebody's house and watch movies and things the rest of the night. And she just left, just left. Um, just abandoned me and never said why she was acting all weird or anything like that. And it just kind of made me feel like the Patil twins <laughs> at that point. So, um, it's just, a, it's just not cool, dude. It's just not cool. Um, but it all worked out. I ended up with you and, you know, whatever. I don't even know what she's doing right now, but I wish her all the best. And that's the Hufflepuff in me. <laughs> saying that i'm trying trying to be nice here on the air uh ron finally gets to talk to hermione and goes on a rant about how victor is just spending time with hermione in order to get intel on harry or get close enough to jinx harry or get hermione to help crumb and figure out the secret of the egg yeah betrayed us all like how can you not see how that's the enemy yeah fraternizing with the enemy right like he's just using you. He's, he doesn't really like you. 
He's just using you. <laughs> She's like, no, that's the whole point of the tournament. We're supposed to make friends with other schools and connections right. and blah, blah, the blah. The point is to win! And then Percy comes along. He's like, <laughs> I see you're friends with Victor now. Because <laughs> Victor just happened to stop by the table looking for Hermione. And he's like, that's exactly what the point of all this is, to make friends with other schools. <laughs> and you can just see Ron like, like I hate Percy. you so much. <laughs> You're the worst, Burr. <laughs> uh, so, all these things that, that Ron says, does Ron really think this, or is this just his way of not being able to deal with his new feelings for Hermione and kind of lashing out? It's mostly lashing out, but also... You know, he's trying to justify it in his that's, brain. That's you know the word what I, mean? I was trying to think of in my head just now. Um, trying to make it all make sense. And if, you know, Hermione got got duped by this, this guy who's trying to use her, mm. then, you know, she's the victim. And so then he doesn't really have to be mad at her. Right. He's, he's trying, to, he's trying to lend, and, lend credibility to his crappy feelings. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That, that So you're kind of leaning more on the fact that that's just his, a teenage boy's inability to to process his It's feelings. like when you're like, oh, why didn't he call? Oh, well, maybe he called while I was out. Maybe he called while the phone was busy. Maybe mm. he called, you know, back before. Mom, get off the phone! Back before there was multiple lines and caller ID and caller waiting and mm. all that stuff. You know, you could kind of. Rather than accept the fact that that person just wasn't going to call you, you can now come you, up with all these reasons. And now you look up, he posted on Twitter two minutes ago, but he didn't call me, no. so I know he's got his he's phone. He's got his phone <laughs> in his hand. He's at the coffee shop. He just, yeah, he just posted on... He uh, even just, said we should get coffee sometime. checked in on Instagram here. Who's this in the background with him? It's the waitress. But I, I'm so glad that I... I, I got married before period. any of that nonsense happened. Like I just, I couldn't, I wouldn't have been it. My head would have exploded. I just couldn't, couldn't. I can't process just the nonsense that that goes on today. I just want to be in my little old person bubble. And I just wanna, I just want to dream of simpler times. You know, because technology is great, but I can't imagine you know trying to process the feelings that we felt when we were teenagers with all this. You know, extra stimulation going on um, around us with TikToks and Twitters and you know things like that. I just just can't even imagine. Can't even imagine. Uh, the Patil sisters eventually run off to dance and hang out with other boys, and Ron and Harry are fine with it. Cause, eh, I don't care because they're the worst. Uh, Harry gets cornered by not only Percy but Ludo Bagman, and Ron takes Harry off for a walk to clear their heads and kind of get away from all that. And this is where things start getting really interesting. Yeah. Uh, you had something that you wanted to add? No, there? I was just thinking, I was like, I'm surprised they even stayed as long as they did. Like, why? I mean, literally staying to keep an eye on their crushes and to torture themselves. But it's like, if you're so miserable, then just go to go to your rooms. You don't have to. Yeah. He, Harry did his part. He Again, that's probably just not a, you know, you're thinking logically. Right. And, and they can't process their teenagers who can't process you know okay, their emotions sit and here feelings. and glare at them while they have fun right i don't want to give them the satisfaction of me leaving 
<laughs> but if you left, they wouldn't know what you were doing. You could be off somewhere having fun. Yeah. I mean, you might just be in your room sulking, but they don't know that. Uh, Ron and Harry happen upon Professor Snape and the head of Durmstrang and former Death Eater, Professor Karkaroff. Not alleged. In the midst of a pretty vocal disagreement, Jessica. What's this all about? We don't know. Daniel, you're asking me, but we don't actually know. But there, Karkaroff is nervous about something. He's worried about something. Something's getting worse. And and Snape and is and Snape's said we'll go ahead and run off. I'm staying here at Hogwarts. Yeah, then, so. he kind of blows him off. He's just like, "Son, go, you're chicken." And Ron and her, Ron away. and Harry didn't even realize that they were on a first name basis because Karkaroff calls Snape Severus. And there's there's they obviously have something going on between them that they would be that animated about. And Ron and Harry just kind of wander into the middle of it and then Snape and Karkaroff kind of realize that oh we probably shouldn't be talking about this with other people around and Karkaroff kind of runs off and then Snape kind of turns back into professor mode that was all kind of weird because I mean Snape is literally walking through the garden looking for students that are making out in bushes they're snogging Jess snogging Snogging in the bushes, and he's like zapping them or something with his wand <laughs> and sending them screaming and running away. But yet, let's have a quiet or let's have a secret conversation while we're looking for students that we might not be able to see and maybe easily. It, and maybe it wasn't even that they were having a conversation. Maybe Karkaroff's kind of panicked. Karkaroff seems very panicked about something. And maybe kind of went off in search of Snape. Yeah, and that's what I'm thinking. Snape was like patrolling the gardens. Right. And Harcroft just He was kinda... on Snogging Patrol. <laughs> he was on Snogging Patrol. Snogging Patrol. Snogging Patrol. We'll be there on the, the roses. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of snogging going on in the rose bushes, Jess. Is this really the most comfortable place to be doing this? No. <laughs> <laughs> Why in the rose bushes? Then this castle is enormous. It's enormous. You can literally go anywhere. There's literally rooms that people don't know about. <laughs> exactly. Um, and also, I just kept thinking, isn't it cold outside? All we've been talking about is the snow piling up the whole first half of the chapter. Well, that's it's, why you snowing, gotta, it's snowing. It's snowing. It's snowing. That's why you need to create warmth. Yeah. I'm assuming that the garden area was somewhat heated. Magically. Well, didn't they have like little like fairies like floating around yeah. lining up? Maybe fairies like give off a little body because <laughs> <laughs> of the light. <laughs> well, there was a fountain bubbling and spraying, and but I also was like, why did you invent this big rose garden if you didn't want students sneaking off and snogging in the? Because <laughs> roses are pretty, babe. It's not just for you know sneak off and play kissy face. But why put it there at all? You just decorate inside and keep everybody in. So lock lock everybody in? Yeah. <laughs> like a lo- remember remember lock-ins? I remember lock-ins. I broke my nose at a YMCA lock-in when I was 13. We had a hypnotist and I got so mad. I was just like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I was so You're mad. like, I was eight years old and I knew it was ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was our, it was high school. It was like our graduation party or something. Like, this isn't a party! Yeah. I was like, this is dumb. You're not Can really I go home hypnotizing now? anybody. It was that thing where they, 
on your graduation night, you yeah. go and you get locked mm-hmm. in because it's the most dangerous night of yeah, your life. Yeah, they don't want you going out and doing something stupid. Yeah. So they create like a, a place where you can play games and stay up all have night. Have fun and mm-hmm. eat snacks and drink sodas. Listen and to the cheap hypnotists trying to put on a show. Yeah, I didn't go to, to that graduation night thing. Like I said, I didn't know... A lot of people at my new school my last couple of years. So I just went home. I said, I'll be fine. I'll just go I home. wish I had. I think I called my mom. I was like, can you come? Can, can you <laughs> sign me out? Because I think we had our cars there. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. Maybe they didn't let us drive at all. I don't know. I just remember that Randy and I were in her car. and We got like literally run off the road. We were like, see? It's the most dangerous night of our lives. Yeah. But. So you think they should have just locked everybody in? I there was no need to go outside in the garden. You're just inv- oh, there was a need. inviting trouble. <laughs> there was a need. Uh, Ron and Harry also happen upon a moonlight conversation between Hagrid and Madame Maxime. And it seems like it's a pretty sweet romantic talk and a romantic moment. But it quickly devolves into a pretty heated uh, disagreement. What is the disagreement all about? Well, we learn that Hagrid's mother was a giant and so then he's half giant which i'm kind of like harry at this point i'm like didn't we all know this <laughs> i'm i'm also with harry here i'm like like i, I think, think when harry first sees him he goes gosh the guy must be half giant and then ron's I, like i just thought he like maybe like stumbled into in the middle of an engorgement charm or something like that i'm like no one ever bothered to come fix. on bro yeah i don't understand but um Apparently, that's very taboo. And Ron, like, freaks out. He's like, oh, my God. Hagrid's half-giant. So. And um, he basically asks Madame Max. Like, he shares his childhood story. And how, you know, his mother essentially abandoned him. And this and that. And his father couldn't really take care of him very well. And so he thinks this is going to be, like, a bonding experience between the two of them. They can share each other's story. And. It's finally somebody who will understand. Because right. he looks at Madame Maxine and is like, well, she's got to be half-giant, too. Yeah. I've never met another half-giant. So this is great. And, you know, I can't talk to other people about it because apparently, like, Ron's reaction, it's not something he can share with everybody, but he thinks that this is something they can share together. And he's not happy about it. No, she is just offended. She's... I don't know what you're talking about. By no, the, I, am, I, I have whoa. big bones. <laughs> no, no. Maybe nobody ever told her. We don't know. So why is Madame Maxine so offended by the half-giant thing? Is it because giants are so reviled in the wizarding world? Is it the equivalent of of mistaking someone for being pregnant when they're just <laughs> overweight? <laughs> Which uh, my mom has done a couple times Ooh. at the doctor's office that she works at. You know, a patient. People have done it to your mom. A, pu- a patient. <laughs> That's true, too. And she was like, I'm 60. And I've had a hysterectomy. <laughs> and I could be pregnant. If I if I uh, could be pregnant, I would be. She would. If she could have another baby, she would. Absolutely. absolutely. She's 60. She'll be. She's 66. 66 years old. If she could have a baby, she would. <laughs> but it's not. Uh, well, especially now possible. that there's nothing in the house to take care of. Mm-hmm. Now that their dog's passed away. That was mm-hmm. the last animal in the house. There's no children in the house. It's just her and your father. 
She has nothing to take care of anymore. Let's get her a nice ficus. Oh, she's <laughs> got plants. <laughs> and she's got the pool. She takes care of the pool. Yeah, it's kind of like pool's a... an animal of its own. As <laughs> yeah, you, as you a know. beast to take care of. So um, I, it's just the whole... Because they say in the chapter that there's not many giants left, that Aurors have basically went around and killed them all yeah. over the years, and that they that Ron heard that there's some hiding out in mountains or whatever. Like, is, so the giants are just so reviled in the, in the wizarding community? I don't know that it ever really goes into details in the books. But when I was reading this, so, you know, piecing together what we got in this chapter, I was kind of thinking, oh, well, there's, a, like, this prejudice against uh, giants, whether it's justified or not. But since Hagrid's mom fell in love with a human and it sounded... I mean, she ended up leaving, but we don't really know why. Mm -hmm. But we do know that they were all, like, driven away and mm -hmm. hunted. So that could be part of why she had to leave. And maybe she had to leave so she didn't get killed. And... Or maybe she did get killed. His dad mm -hmm. just didn't tell him that. Mm -hmm. We don't know. But... The picture that Ron paints of these violent creatures doesn't really match up with what we know from Hagrid's mm -hmm. situation. So I don't know if it was uh, prejudice, a misunderstanding. I don't know that they were rightfully hunted and per you know persecuted against. I think it might be a whole, you know, problem. Like misunderstanding, a systemic issue yeah, like in a systemic the, in issue. the community. And we know that the wizards are kind of hoity-toity and pure blood, and mm -hmm. we're better than everybody mm -hmm. else. Um, Just because they've got magic does not make them immune to prejudice, and definitely not. There's a lot know. of those, that theme in this book. In so these books. The, the wizarding community has, you know, just as many issues with, uh, you know, bias and prejudices as the Muggles do. So staying on that track. I feel like for Madame Maxine, it's very important for her to deny this because of her position. She's in charge mm -hmm. of a school. Mm -hmm. You people are wizards are entrusting their children to her. They're they're girls. They're you know delicate flower girls to her. And if she's part giant beast that's gonna rip them to shreds and you know all the prejudice that go along with that, I think for her it's very important. That she deny that and try and stay away from anybody who would label her that. Uh, the night is coming to a close. Cedric seeks out Harry, though. And Cedric is thankful, thankful for the heads up that Harry gave him about the dragon on the first task and gives Harry uh, a little hint of information about the magic egg and how it may help. Harry solved the mystery of it. And what is the advice that Cedric gives Harry? To take a bath. Take a bath. <laughs> Just mull it over in the hot water. Run away with us to the second floor. Take a bath. <laughs> I just, all I can think of during this, I, I know, I knew it happened because, you know, I've read the books before, seen the movies. But I forgot kind of like where in the timeline it happened. And all I'm thinking of is, oh, why would you pick tonight? <laughs> like, Harry's least likely to listen to you. 
when you're got his girl on your arm Cedric kind of thing. Doesn't know that, no, though. he doesn't. But I just was just like, oh, of course you would pick tonight. But Tell Cedric him. doesn't think doesn't know that he's done anything hurtful to Harry here. No, I know, I know. He's just a Hufflepuff. We just want what's best for everybody. <laughs> we are not a threat. Please be our friend. What else are you working with over there? What else you got? Sad or nothing! Sad or nothing! Sad or nothing! Jay Finch pinching around, pinching the holes, pinching himself. What's uh, Jay Finch up to? We haven't seen him in a little while. No, no. Jay Finch He's pinching, plays a, just pinching around. Just pinching around. He's a big part of the Puffs movie, uh, play, but not so much of the books anymore. Yeah. Yeah, so he's... Everybody else is snogging. He's out finching around. Finching around. Uh, so, wrapping up this chapter, things to keep an eye on. Yes. Karkaroff, in general. <laughs> Just him. <laughs> Just have to keep an eye on him. He's up to something. The Karkaroff-Snape relationship. And also the absence of Mr. Crouch at the Yule Ball. I think these are all things that are worth uh, keeping an eye on. Jessica. And the chamber pot room. And the chamber pot room. <laughs> Which I didn't know So good thing to keep an eye out for uh, Anything else or are we ready to get to our email I think we're ready Alright you can always email us at Broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com Or tweet us at broomsticksb That's broomsticks followed by the letter B No spaces, no underscores And this one comes from our good friend Mike Who's been on the podcast before Mike, 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 Mike. Oh hi Mike uh, Mike says hey Jess and Dan now that you have read about one of the exciting Goblet of Fire events, and because at the moment the Tokyo Summer Olympic Games are in full swing. They're over now, but yeah. I have a question for you, dear readers. What current or past Olympic event would you like to see jazzed up with some magic? For example, I think if they cast a spell of protection on the athlete competing in the street luge or the skeleton, that's where they go down the big hills on their stomach, like on the skateboard on their stomach. And the luge is when they go down on their back. They could make the courses more extreme. Or if instead of horses, dressage was performed with hippogriffs and in the air. I would love to hear your ideas. Keep up the great work with the pod. Ravenclaw's rule. Mike. Ravenclaw's do rule. Anything uh, come to mind? that? Hmm. Well, of course, I was, I was thinking dress, dressage and to switch out the animal. I went to dragon. I don't know why. A hippogriff makes a little bit more sense. Mm. <laughs> I just want to include dragons, I think. Um, hmm. I mean, I'd love to see Quidditch. I'd love to see Quidditch. Yes, we got to get Quidditch in there. Maybe some kind of like version of surfing, but on a broomstick, like windsurfing mm. kind of thing. Interesting. Or maybe like a, um, maybe like a, uh, maybe like track and field events with uh, with broomsticks. So you know, instead of like actually just playing Quidditch, but maybe using the flying component for like four hundred meters. You know, well, I think uh, it have to be something with obstacles because I feel like the broom is the thing that goes a certain speed. Like you know, once they got mm. like the new broom, the Nimbus two thousand or whatever, then all of a sudden they could go faster than everybody else. So if well, then maybe like the a marathon. vehicle is got the 
is the thing that provides the speed, not really the wizard. Maybe a marathon would be more, because then there would be more strategy with, like, drafting and, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. Like a cross-country thing, because mm-hmm. then you'd have to yeah. navigate different terrains and And you would have stuff. to be in, in good enough shape to be able to... Stay on your broom to, for yeah, a long Yeah, to ride the broom, because... You know, like, uh, we've so got, some kind of like Tour de France race, yeah. but on broomsticks. We've got a couple friends that uh, ride motorcycles to the to and from the Superman celebration, mm-hmm. and they just when they get there, they need like half a day to recover because it's it's very it's it's exhausting to ride a I didn't which I didn't know it's a balance. Yeah, to ride a motorcycle for that long, and it's got to be the same thing with the broom. It's got to be you know tiring. I rode a jet ski for like. Not that long, and I was exhausted, <laughs> and I had very sore muscles the next so, day. So because you're like tensing up muscles, that yeah, you're, you're not holding used to... and squeezing yeah. with your legs mm-hmm. and trying to grip and keep your balance with your legs. I had a problem with I couldn't reach the throttle, and every time we'd hit a bump, I was like barely getting it with my fingertips. My hands were too small. Was it so? It was like a short round from like Indiana Jones situation <laughs> where he had like the uh, the block of wood. <laughs> Like, tied to his foot so he could reach the pedals? I needed something, because every time we would hit a bump, I would lose my grip on the on the throttle, and then we'd stop. And then we'd be dead in the water. And then I'd have to grab it again and go. And the guy I was with was like, what is wrong with you? Uh, maybe we could put, like, some... Uh... Maybe like some creatures in the in the water for the surfing events, you know, to make or the it... marathon swimming. <laughs> <laughs> I love to the marathon swimming, by the way. <laughs> They're just swimming in the ocean. I go, this is not a good idea. Nope, nope definitely not after watching Shark Week. That was like too close together. But yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of those that could be jazzed up with some magic or like you say, adding some magical creatures into the mix. I think the uh, whoever plays the U.S. women's basketball team probably needs a little magic because they've won like seven golds in a row, <laughs> and uh, I, don't, no, I don't see anybody catching them anytime soon unless they have a little magic on their side. So maybe we could do that to kind of even up the the odds a little bit. Yeah, or like you know, add bludgers to some of the team sports. Mm. You gotta avoid the bludgers when they're trying to dip in and like knock she's out. on her breakaway. Oh, bludger got bludger her! Bludger got her! Darn. <laughs> Again, another turnover. You that's really the, gotta pay attention. That's the sixth time Stay aware. Uh, well, that's gonna do it for us this week on this edition of Broomsticks and Butterbeer. Thank everybody for downloading, listening, and subscribing. Like I said, uh, follow us on Twitter at Broomsticks B. You can follow Jess on Twitter at Jess Rhino, J E S S R Y N O. I'm at Dan Rhino. Jess, what are you reading right now? I was like, oh no, he's gonna ask. I'm reading Gods and Monsters. It is the third book to the Blood and Honey trilogy, third and final book. Uh, Jennifer and Anastasia and I all read the first book. We got it at BookCon years ago. It was great. It was fantastic. We loved this book. I think I'm the only one who read the second one, though, because I did not like it. But I'm giving the third one a chance, see how this all wraps up. And, well, okay. I mean, I'm not disappointed. Not thrilled, but we're it's okay. Uh, and I am currently reading Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Really? I am. How are you liking that? It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> and we just finished chapter 23, which is the Yule Ball. We'll be back with chapter 24. And I think, Jessica, chapter 24, Rita Skeeter. 
is going to make a reappearance uh, because I was peeking at the title and it's, she might have a uh, a little scoop. And usually when she has the scoop, Jessica, it usually doesn't bode well for one of our uh, uh, favorite characters. Yes. Well, she had an appearance in this chapter. It was just top secret. Mm. She was getting the dish. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we'll find out next time. And uh, continue our journey through the never-ending Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire when, sooner or later, something's going to happen. Yeah, it's got to, right? You would think so. But uh, I don't know. I don't never read it, so I don't know. I am. Stuff happens. Stuff happens. So uh, there you go. From the, Straight from the horse's mouth. <laughs> Stuff does indeed happen. Uh, and we'll find out next time when we talk about Chapter 24. Until then, thank you for downloading, listening, and subscribing. We really, really, truly appreciate it. And until then, I'm Dan Rhino. I'm Jessica Rhino. And we'll see you then. Bye.